The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. The Yeti 100 miler is not the first race to come back after COVID, but something about the Yeti 100 miler just made it seem like, I don't know, trail running was back to have jason green out on the course giving people hugs it just made it seem like everything was right in the world again and the yeti 100 in damascus virginia took on a different meaning for two other people as well for one racer it was a event to prove how far their body could go for another racer it was a welcome back if you will a comeback of the most epic proportions. On this episode of The Adventure Jogger, we tackle two aspects of the Yeti 100 with first-time 100-mile finisher, Ron Maver. Welcome to The Adventure Jogger, Ron. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. I appreciate it. And the comeback kid, ladies and gentlemen, the man who went sub-20 at the Yeti 100-miler, returning to the distance that made him famous, He's back after two hip surgeries. Andy Jones Wilkins. What's up, AJW? Uh, I'm doing great, Ryan, and thank you for calling me a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about that for a second. We'll start with you, AJW. Yeti is a, a race, and what Jason Green has built is absolutely incredible. It is everything that embodies what is wonderful about ultra running it is a community event and the and the city of damascus embraces that race you know arm all arms around it and speaking of hugs jason green is there and he's built this yeti trail runners which is just this inclusive celebration of of companionship and friendship and tough miles andy what what was it about Yeti that made you decide this is the race? I'm going to do it. I'm going to come back. Right, right, exactly. Well, I, I was down, I went down there uh, uh, last year uh, uh, and crewed some people. And and then even two years ago, and I just got that, I got that Jason Green Yeti vibe. And I mean, I, I'd heard it was cu- sort of cultish and it definitely is. But, uh, but I had to go back this year just to see if if anybody could pull off a hundred miler during COVID, I thought Jason could, and I was ready to run a hundred anyway. So, um, in a controlled environment with a great race director like that, I thought uh, this is perfect. And uh, and man, he pulled it off like like you wouldn't believe. It was just outstanding. Ron, what about you? What was it about the Yeti One Hundred that made you go like, okay, I'm going to get this first one hundred? under my belt what was it about yeti that made you decide to pull the trigger on that one yeah it, it had been on my radar for a long time uh, i've been dreaming about this race actually uh, i'm always on youtube watching uh trail running videos and um going through it I, I was we were speaking before ajw and i was saying that uh i've watched that i watched that western states video that you do before every race every single time to the point where my wife knows your voice <laughs> <laughs> She, she knows who you uh, are. Does, does she know? Does she know my voice or Ryan's imitation? Of it? <laughs> there you go. Probably the latter of the two. But well, so before I, I actually I did see you out on the trail and I, I yelled a thank you to you. I love you. Remember? I did. Uh, I, I thanked you for that video. But but my point being that um, on on YouTube they have uh, just contacted that nine minute um, Yeti trail runner documentary from last year's race mm-hmm. and i i caught that on on youtube and and um inspired me and it really catches the essence of what yeti is it it gives you the full feel from from jason to, to runners and the music's perfect it just it shows overhead views of a sunny damascus <laughs> which looks beautiful and um the hugs and i could i could feel the hugs from jason just watching that video and um it just it spoke to me and and it, it just really really was was a driving force and I, I can't tell you how many times I watched that video and 
that race was everything I hoped it would be. And, and like Andy said, he just did such a brilliant job from packet pickup to, to the guy gives you his phone number. I, I text him with a couple of questions and, and he gets back to you in a minute. It was just, it was just first class all along, but, but that video really, really spoke to me and, and, and was like a driving force to, to a lot of my training during COVID and, and really just an inspiration. You know, it's funny, Andy, that you talk about the great Yeti video, and I'll link to that one in the description of the podcast. But your Western States pre-chat that I believe Billy Yang recorded that, was it three or four years ago? Yeah, yeah three years ago. That, you you know that people probably watched that 10 or 12 times before a race. Like that, that gets a lot of YouTube views right before a race because people are psyching themselves out. Did you have any idea that video would have the life that it had? Well, it was, it was, it was funny. I was coming down, down like, I don't know, mile 18 or so. And I came across a, a couple, they were running together and, and there's that video that made you cry. And I was like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I made you cry. And she was like, oh no, I loved crying watching you talk. It's the best part. Well, that's the story of my life. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it, it is, it is something special. It really, it really, it hits you home. Hit you right in the heart. Ron, we know Andy Jones Wilkins' running journey. And if you don't know it, there's an episode of The Adventure Jogger called The Ballad of Andy Jones Wilkins. You will know so much about Andy. If you listen to that episode, uh, you'll feel like you want to send him a Christmas card every single year. And you'll be imitating his voice. <laughs> right? You'll be doing, doing your own HAW impersonation. <laughs> but you Ron. The, you could do the audio Christmas card. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Ron. Complete with pop-ups. Exactly. Ron, what is your running journey? How did you start into this world of ultra running? Give us that start to the, the starting line of the Yeti 100. Yeah, so so mine mine's a, a long winding journey to get there. Um, I, I'm, most of the time growing up, I always played sports. I played soccer. I played basketball. But you know, eventually I stopped growing at five eight. Those Irish genes kicked in, and, <laughs> and I, I focused on mostly soccer. So I played soccer basically my whole life, and um, that was it. But after college, as you as you get on, you start working, and um, start putting weight on. I, I started falling out. I was working as a uh, stagehand at the Metropolitan Opera starting in 2000. And I wow. did that until just recently this past year. Yeah. I did for 20 years. So, but great place to work. Guys are just salt of the earth guys. Like I love the guys over there, but you're working 80, 85 hours a week for eight, nine months out of the year. You go in at 8 AM, you leave at midnight, like five days out of the week. It's just crazy hours. So as that goes yeah. on, weight kind of creeps up and and you start putting weight on, you get heavy. It's those Cheetos. You, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, it's sometimes you got five minutes for dinner, you're ordering food, you're, it's not a healthy lifestyle. You're jamming food in your mouth on in between set breaks or, or whatever it is. So um, it started putting some weight on. So then 2007, my wife, 2006, my wife got pregnant with my son, Nathaniel, who's 13 now. So 2007, I started trying to get more serious and signed up. I ran some races, road races. I did uh, New York City Marathon in 2007. That race ended. After that, you kind of just go through that depression of post-race. Um, so it kind of came and went. And same thing happened in 2011 when my daughter was born. Same thing again. I'm going to get back in shape. I signed up, started running races again. And then that happened. Um and then same thing after it was just a yo-yo effect. I was going up and down and then maybe two, two, three years ago, I stepped on the, the scale. I know I'm, right now I'm walking around. I'm 142. Mm -hmm. So at that point I, I stepped on and I was, I was 190. Yeah. I had never been 190 my entire life. So I, that kind of shook me to my core. And uh, to be honest with you, at the same time as, and all this was going on, um, I was secretly also struggling with uh, depression and anxiety to the point that not, not even my wife really knew about it. She knew a little bit. Um, none of my family knew. It, it was it was pretty crippling. And um, at that point, when I was 190, I was just coming off. I had uh, rotator cuff surgery on my shoulder, so I was out of work. And I had time to really to really think and reevaluate my life of of what I want to do and, and who I want to be. And, and did I want to live in, in this kind of pain that I was in? 
and um, some of it probably had to do with some of the weight had to do with with self medicating with drinking and whatnot. So the real catalyst of it was um, I did soap October with a couple of friends, and that was probably the longest. If not probably, that was probably the longest I had ever gone without drinking since I was maybe 16 wow. to 30 days. And um, I still drink now. We're having we're having beers now. Yeah. It's not that. But what that, You're having that a beer. Away. We're having a White Claw. So, <laughs> Andy, what are you drinking? I, I've got a little wild thing. It's a, it's a nice beer. Okay, so we have two beers going on right now and two White Claws. Hard seltzers. I'm, I'm still nice. drinking from the uh, Damascus Brewery. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, we're losing what, guy points. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what what that what that month did for me was kind of gave me a chance to reevaluate um, why I was drinking. It, it wasn't so much it was every day, but it was getting to the point of, you know, if I would go out to dinner, there was no way I was driving home. My wife was driving home. Right. So, in accordance with that month, I also started um, as that month ended. I I uh, sought therapy. I. Uh, I went to one guy right away. He wanted to put me on uh, Prozac, Xanax without even really speaking to me. And that was totally not what I wanted to do. So uh, after a month, I left him. I, I sought out another guy and um, I connected with him immediately. And we agreed that it would be no medicine, no medication. But one of the outlets I had, I couldn't lift any weights or anything at that point with my shoulder. One of the outlets I had was running. And I found when I when I started running again that it, it brought me back to life. It made me feel like a kid again. It gave me, gave me some type of, of purpose. Made me feel good again. All right. It quelled the, the voices in my head, all the noise, all the anxiety. It just was something that, that spoke to my soul. So I started really, really running again consistently. And um, at that point, what I'll usually do is, I, as I had done with the marathons, I, I found this race called uh, Rock the Ridge 50, which was in... Uh, Mohawk, um, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I signed up for it a couple of months out. Maybe, I think it was in maybe November I signed up for it. The race was in May. And uh, I signed up for it, and and it just – that was it. It was my driving force. And then once I signed up for that, I was just off and running. I ended up running that race for uh, to raise money for a friend of mine who – passed away from uh, opioid addiction during the time. So I, I raised that, I, ra- I ran that race as a GoFundMe page to donate money to his uh, wife and children. So it was a real driving force. And, and that feeling of, of accomplishment I had from that 50 and, and just from being um, at peace and rediscovering who I was, then uh, that's it. I, I, I got done with that. I had signed up for a couple more races and uh that was it. I was off and running and I haven't stopped at all in the last three years. Um, I love it. It, It's part of who I am. In fact, to the point that um, as COVID hit up North, the, uh, the Metropolitan Opera house was closed down because of performances. Right. There was no more. And and to be honest, I wasn't running a ton of races just because my kids are involved in sports. I'm working so many hours. You don't have the time. And um, we saw this as an opportunity to really reevaluate our lives. Me and my wife, uh, we had always wanted to move. We had wanted to live in Hilton Head. Um, it seemed like life up north was on pause. So in the middle of this uh, pandemic, we decided we packed our things up. I, I quit my job after 20 years and uh, and moved to Hilton Head and, and, and started a, uh, a running apparel company and a coaching company. I got my coaching license through UESCA. Oh, and wow. uh, I feel like my, my purpose in life now is to help other people with this and and, and hopefully I can reach out to people. You know, I've, I've done it uh, through videos on Instagram, whatever, that anybody who's out there suffering with any type of mental health or, or depression or anxiety to reach out to me, that um, I'll design a program for you for free. I don't care about the money when it comes to that. I just want to help people. Um, and, and that's basically the, the long story of it. I, you know, I don't mean to, to take up all the time, but it, it's such a complicated story, but running is part of who I am now. It, it, it is what I am. I can't imagine not doing it. Um, I had an injury early in the quarantine that kept me out for two months. I had a high, high ankle sprain and, uh, it just was a, a two totally different people with it. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for it. That's in my life every day. And, uh, it's something that's special to me. 
That's right. amazing. Wow. Ron, that's amazing. Andy, you had a well, similar. It's time, it's, it's time for me to sign off now because obviously <laughs> Ron has a way more inspiring story than I'm ever going to have. And he's like, and You're I'm done. <laughs> no, but, no, but Andy. Holy shit. That's yes. awesome. Ron. Yes. That is uh, awesome. Um, First Mile Sucks is the apparel company, right? Yes, yes. Correct. I, I love it. Oh, man. I love the name. And I and it's true. And when you get to be my age, it's the first ten miles. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. For for Stafford, it's probably the first thirty miles. Yeah, yeah. It's like the whole race sucks. We can we can we can can calibrate that with the marketing. (laughs) You know, you know, it's it's it's, before now. I'm in nice weather, but before that, up in New Jersey, you know, I've been running through all winter long. Some of those December, January. I mean, you guys are in. Tennessee gets cold weather. Some of those February months, you just roll out of bed and it's it's minus five and it's yeah, yeah. cold. You're like cold. really, you just get out and you're like, and I just kept saying to myself, I'd be like, oh man, this sucks. Oh, first mile sucks, and I would get through it. So you know, I, I looked, I looked it up, I looked it up to see if anybody had trademarked it. No one had trademarked it. Yeah, you're like that moment where I'm like, surely someone has trademarked Not the adventure this. jogger. Nope, 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 no one has. Nope. <laughs> I, all right, I'm going to trademark that shit now. Um, yeah, Ron, Ron so you said New York Metropolitan Opera House. Are you from New York or are you from Jersey? I'm from New Jersey. I'm from a, a, I was born in a town called Kearney, New Jersey. Okay. And then I lived in North Arlington, which is right next door. It's one square mile. It's a small town, maybe nine miles outside Manhattan. I mean, we could see the, the Manhattan landscape from my living room back then. So you basically, everybody up there considers themselves from New York. Right. Um, yeah, I, 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 Ron, I, I grew up in Rockland County, New York, and I know Carney, New Jersey's a soccer hotbed, always has. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, been it's, a soccer, it's been a soccer hotbed for 40 years, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, at yeah. least, if not more. And I grew up playing, my son plays. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's ingrained in, in who you are. It's, it's part of the town. Yeah. Um, Ron, what drives you crazy about people not from that area trying to do your accent? Like what? Because like, <laughs> you probably hear absolutely horrible versions of the New York, New Jersey accent. What is everybody getting wrong, Ron, when they give it a try? I think the biggest problem is it's, it's based on a combination of the Sopranos and the Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and an over-reliance on forget about it. Yes. <laughs> you talking to me? Are you like, talking to me? <laughs> we don't feel like we have an accent. And then when I when I moved down here, as soon as I, I could tell you that it must be a distinct accent because no matter where I've traveled from, from down here in South Carolina to England, everyone's Pick it, can pick it out in two seconds. Sure. You're from Jersey, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> Andy, you've had an incredible road uh, back to the 100-mile distance. When was the last 100 that you ran? And then kind of give us the, the story of when you last crossed that 100-mile finish line to getting back in the swing of things and getting to the Yeti starting line. Yeah, so I, I, ran, uh, I ran the Bighorn 100 in uh, 2017 and then uh and then i i, I did a uh a, like a do-it-yourself hundred for my birth my 50th birthday in september of 2017 and that was that was and that was uh, across the shenandoah national park and that's the last hundred i've done uh or i did before yeti and yeah. so i um i had kind of you know i, I had i had life i had jo- job change i had kids in in certain stage of life i had lots of stuff going on and you know it was only three years but uh but come around i don't know it was it was right around august 1st i i did 100k out in idaho really slow big mountain experience but it was like okay this makes me feel like i can be out for a long time again um and uh and so i got in touch with jason and and we had a lot of back and forth because he was still trying to figure out whether he could do the race and what kind of course he could do and and how he could pull it off and and i said dude if you can pull it off i'd love to run it because i just feel like if there's a race for me to come back after three years of not doing a hundred 
the Yeti is is one I want to do. And and the reason was it's it's in it's in southwestern Virginia. I used to live in Virginia, but it's in the mountains. But you don't have to run through the mountains, right? It's just this uh, this nice um, you know this nice towpath, uh, you know, kind of snaking its way along this river in this beautiful area. And so uh, that was that was how it went down. And and um, and once I signed up for it, I was like, OK, well, I better you know, I better train and, and I need to you know, I, I think three years is long enough to forget how to do something. Yes. But by but by the time I got to mile 50, I was like, OK, this feels familiar. Right. The, the, and, and the part that felt familiar was like take in calories, keep control of your pace, you know, don't let, don't let other people determine what you're doing, you know, get away from the negativity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so all I wanted to do pretty much was get through the first half and then have that, and then have that, hopefully have that feeling of like that, that, that feeling kick in of you've done this, you know, 37 times before just have it click in and then, have have sort of muscle and it's more than just muscle memory it's brain memory as well kind of take hold and and that was what i was hoping would happen and it's what did happen and uh and that was that was really great i mean it was uh it was it and it had everything right it poured down rain for about 12 hours uh it was it wasn't too hot it wasn't too cold you had to do a lot of repetitive out and backs so that tested you mentally like there was a lot of the event that really was a true 100 mile experience maybe 2020 style but also as jason and i talked about a couple of times it's like it's at least what we have to get used to for the foreseeable future so to see something like 140 people finish a 100 mile race in in the rain in 2020 was really inspiring to me and i and i think it's something we can take and move forward from nice ron your race you want to get to the you, you want to do yeti 100 you've done the 50 mile distance before what what was the decision to do the 100 um it just to me it seems like the ultimate crest of 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 running it seems like the the pinnacle of this journey that i described before to the ultimate test of toughness and it, it just has i mean it, it it's become way more popular obviously but it just has this rarefied air in it that if, if you can accomplish it and, and not so much the the external issue but to know that you accomplish something that a very very small percentage of the population has, has the will to do there's just something magical about that number 100 miles on foot to me anyway that that makes it it's it's so it, it has everything 50 50 is tough but to do a hundred, you really have to go through the ringer. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's that day, you know, you're out there for a day, sometimes more, sometimes in Andy's case, a little less, which we'll get to, uh, <laughs> in, in just a bit, but yeah, you're right. You 50 miler, you got what a half day you're, you're sleeping in your bed at night. You're not running through the night. There's a whole lot of life lived in that, in that 24 hours. How did your race go run? You get to the starting line, you know, you, you're ready to go. This, you've trained for this. It's pouring down rain. It's raining. It's yeah. not the day you would have hoped for. We all hope for 50 degrees and, and partly cloudy. That's If we could have 50 degrees and partly cloudy, that is the best it. race temperature ever. You have pouring down rain in like, in like 60, but kind of walk us through your race, Ron. How did, how did the Yeti 100 go for you? Yeah, I mean, so overall, my my goal going in was was sub twenty four, which which I accomplished. So it went in terms of that, it went real well. Uh, the first the first climb up, which I think was twelve miles or, or thirteen miles in the beginning, um, all that went according to plan. I, I had, my plan was to try and bang out as many daylight hours as I could. So I had a, I had a plan of, of twenty six minutes of slow running and then four minutes of 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 walking and in a perfect world, if I can get 12 minutes per mile over the course of 20 hours, that's a hundred miles. And I'm at that, that 20 yep. hour pace, which yep. gives me four hours of wiggle room to screw up, whether it be in eight station transitions, being there too long, or just if things go wrong. Right. So I, I started out with that and it went well. And, um, 
I probably came down looking back on it. I felt great going up the rain after, after the first, maybe like 15 minutes, it, it kind of just blocked it out. At least I did. Um, it was funny before the race was starting, people were, were huddled underneath the tent, you know, and, and Jason gets up and gives his speech and right, right before he does that, there's still people in the tent and he finally, he's like, yeah, in a fucking tent. You're going to get wet anyway. <laughs> Come on, get on out here. <laughs> so, so the bottom line is you were, you were going to get wet anyway. So that, 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 that went perfect. Um, I guess I probably looking back on it came down a little too quick going out. I also think, um, going back on it, I packed too much stuff in my, in my pack. That's, that's something that I have to go on. But long, long story short, coming in, I, I saw my wife and my mom who, who both crewed me. Uh, they were there at, I guess, 20, 20 something in. I stopped, had a banana. I felt great. Um, saw them and then headed back to the starting line to go back and forth the four times that Andy described. So that was perfect in terms of for crewing people. That was great because they could just set up shop in one one spot and you've seen them basically to round it up every 20 miles. Yeah. So, um, going through, to be honest with you, going through the first, uh, 64 was pretty, was perfect. It was uneventful. I was right where I wanted to be. I had, I had good pace. I felt good. Um, my, I didn't bonk out. My nutrition felt good. I, everything, everything went good. I, I went back up. I came back and you had the option of either there was a turnaround, maybe two miles past the crew area, which was actually the starting line was the, the starting and finish line was the yeah. turnaround. So I, I came back in 80 and I felt pretty good to the point where I, I, I told my wife, I'm going to, I'm going to see you on the turnaround instead. And then I'll, you know, I'll get whatever I need to at the end. And I don't know what happened between 80 and 84, but, <laughs> that's, but the that's, wheels, the wheels came that's off. That's the twilight zone. It's the twilight they, zone. They came off, they came off hard. And, and, and I should say, I should say before that I had battled, um, when I came in at 64, I actually thought I had a problem with my socks that they were, they were crumped, like crimped up in my shoe. I, I so I came in, I, I told my, my wife, my mom, no, my socks are killing me. I got, and I changed socks throughout the day, maybe, five or six times just to try to keep my feet dry. And when I took it off, it was actually the uh, folds oh. of my skin on my feet oh. had folded under one another. Oh. Yeah. So. Hey, 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 Ron, typically, typically when the wheels come off, they come completely off, especially in the 80s. Like, they don't just come a little <laughs> way. Bye-bye. Yeah, I was, I was cruising down on four rims. <laughs> so, so I came in and, and I don't—I actually don't even really remember coming in and talking to them. Uh, my mother had my brother on the phone, so I, I spoke with him. I don't—I don't really remember that. And then I—I was—I had no problems up until then. I was dry heaving on the side of the car. Um, I got myself together. I actually was able to get down some watermelon and yeah. um, some potato chips. And all of a sudden, that seemed to to put me put me back to life a little bit. So I popped up, I, I, I went, headed back up to the mountain, I stumbled out of there 84. I didn't stay long because I do, mentally I was at the point of, um, I just want to get this over with. So, <laughs> we just finished so this up. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went up, I hit Alvarado on the turnaround and uh, coming into Alvarado, I it felt decent going up. I mean, you're not, I'm not doing that pace. I'm running and maybe a couple of minutes here and there and walking and running and alternating. I felt I felt decent. I came into Alvarado and uh, I came in with the hot sweat that uh, I felt like I was going to pass out, and and it, it took a minute to to really like calm myself down. You have you have some anxiety about it, and uh, to be honest with you, I had like a two minute conversation with myself about about like am, am I willing to to push through what it's going to take to get this done? Yeah. It, was, it was a real right. real gut check, and like, would you be? I mean, not to sound dramatic, but w- would you be willing to die out here trying to finish this race? And, and the answer I gave myself was yes. I had come this far. This, this to me, was a symbolic of, of, of my journey in life and that it, it, it had to get done. So I stopped. I had a couple of cups of ramen up there. The people up at that Alvarado aid station were awesome. They were up there. They had beers, fireball all day. I mean, they were talking to you, joking around. They were great. So I had a couple of cups of ramen and then, I felt better. I was on my way back down. 
about two miles later, for some reason, I looked down, my foot just uh, blew up. My ankle was over my shoe. Oh. It was just, it, it, it exploded. And uh, I didn't step wrong. I didn't do anything. It was just. You're like, what I the? One step and, and that was it. It was gone. So I ended up pretty much hoofing it in the last eight miles. It probably took me over two hours to get those last eight miles in, which hurt. I think, you know, it, it was, that was, I knew I had the time to get the sub 24. So I, I really focused on getting sub 20, 20 minute miles and just taking one step at a time and uh, really went into basically my own pain cave and blocked everything out. And it, it, it was something to see people that were finishing at the same time, because I had seen a lot of those people throughout the course of the day, we were on the same, same path. And, and, you know, you have these beautiful conversations with people about their weddings and vacation. And that last lap, uh, everybody was just in their own little bubble of hell. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's always interesting and, uh, to look at another runner and go, you know what? You look like I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a bunch of it was like a bunch of lost souls out there. So I just I hoofed it in that that last that last eight miles. I mean, it was it was painful. My foot was was blown up every step her foot. Yeah, but it's you know once you see that finish line and you see Jason there, it's it makes it all worthwhile. And, and, you know, again, kudos to him. He just did such an amazing job and he, he just has this warm personality about him that you, you can't help but want to try and be friends with him. That, that, that is the God honest truth. Andy, did the wheels fall off at all for you? Or were you like, like I've been doing this my whole life, bitches that I ran a hundred miles and even you hurt. <laughs> I'm jealous of Ron. D- D- Jason was asleep when I finished. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> He goes. I got, a, I, got uh, a, I got a hug from one of his, you know, Yeti flunkies or something. <laughs> uh, Could have been uh, Mr. Inspiration. He's usually on the court. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I, uh, I, 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 I will, I will concur with Ron. The, the fun part about this, you know, we, we ran twenty, basically twenty-eight and a half miles, and then out and back for these four eighteen-mile out and backs. And it was, you did develop a little camaraderie with the people you saw kind of coming back and forth and maybe you'd run with them for a little while or you'd see them a couple of times, you know, in the turn, whether it was Tom Green or, you know, Pat Reagan or other, you know, you, you, it was fun to have that part of the, of the race. But, you know, no, honestly, for me, it was, I was really, I was, uh, I, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I always, in all my hundred milers in my whole life, I've, I've tried to, you know, eliminate the variables in the event that, you know, just sort of cut down what I can't control to as small of a small of a box as possible. Yeah. And then the stuff that I can control really control it a hundred percent. So I knew, like, I couldn't control the rain. I couldn't control the puddles and all that crap. What I could control is that when, when, we, when we got back to the start finish, we're just going to have four out and backs for 18 miles. And, um, and so I had three simple goals. You know, don't, um, don't sit down. Uh, don't uh, take any more than cumulative 10 minutes in aid stations and try to negative split. Those were my goals, mm-hmm. and and I didn't know, but I hit 50 miles in 9:55. I looked at my watch; it was 50 miles, like 9:55. I was like, "Shit!" Well, that means I'm going to have to run sub 20, you know, if I if I'm going to not negative you know, split positive this, yeah. split this thing, and and it, and and that was enough kind of pressure on me to to just kind of keep going, and and it was good because I had all of the usual. I had all the usual maladies, right? I had some blisters develop on both of my toes. My quad started to get a little, uh, started talking to me because I took that downhill that Ron talked about uh, early in the race a little too hard. And my stomach was not really reacting well to like too much sugar. So I had to sort of do that in the middle of the race negotiation of, you know, do I take this broth now? Do I risk puking with this peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You know, are quesadillas better right now? Do I need more solid food? Do I need to possibly even take a sports drink instead of water? 
You know, it, it was it was a real kind of managing thing. The other thing, and I and I, I hear Ron talking about his his pack and packing too much. The thing I loved about this race is I was able to do it old school. I did the whole race with one hand held, no no pack, no you know I, I would stick stuff in my pockets or whatever, but no reason to wear a pack, no reason. In the longest you had to go, I mean even even Ron, if he's doing those last eight miles in two hours he could probably get away with two handhelds for that. So what I liked about it is that it was, there was the, the stuff you could control, you could really control and the stuff you couldn't control, like the rain or the conditions of the trail, you just kind of let it go. And, and for me, I mean, I didn't know if I could do sub 20 ever again in my life. And, you know, the fact that I hit nine, 50 miles in 955 and, and finished it in 1955. Okay. It's a negative, it's a positive split by five minutes, but it felt really good. Like, especially the last lap, you know, like saying to my pacer, okay, here's what, here's what we're going to do. You know, we're going to run to this part. We're going to walk on this part. We're going to run on this part. I'm going to eat in this part. You're going to need to open the gate. So they had these gates, you know, like halfway up the loop and, and I, and I really kind of had my, had my head in the game so that I was able to say, and then I was able to say for the ending, you know, because I knew that my running was getting slower. And so my sort of run walk ratio was, was starting to deteriorate. I basically said to him at like mile 83, look, when we get back to this point and it's going to be mile 97, I want to run the whole rest of the way. And no matter what I say, no matter what I'm thinking, no matter how much I'm complaining about my stomach, just make me do that. Make me do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, to me, that was a really good lesson as like a, a, a middle slash late career hundred miler is you can still kind of do those things and give your pacer an assignment and say, you know what, you have permission to kick my ass, you know, once we get to this point. And, and bless his heart. I mean, his name's Barry, Barry, Barry Sterling. He did, he kicked my ass and he ran out 10 yards in front. And I just had my, you know, my eyes zoned in on his heels and, and I got the sub 20. So it felt good. It felt like a return to hundred mile running that I didn't know I had. And, 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 and in a way it's, um, it's, it, it reminds me that you can, that you can still do some things, in life, even if you're 53 years old, that you don't necessarily think you could do before you start them. The and mind is amazing. It is, for sure. Here's a difference, though, Andy. The last time you ran 100, you're, everybody, you're, you're, how do I say this without blowing your head up? Um, oh, God. Your, <laughs> your level of fame at, at, at when you were running hundreds way back, people knew who you were. But you're Andy. Andy. Now you're, oh my God, it's AJW. Was it weird to be the guy that everybody knew at this race, especially when you're going back and forth, right? So this is not a race where it's, an, where it's a loop where you see people once. You are encountering the, the athletes in the race multiple times but you're not just a random guy you're ajw was that a little surreal for you well i i don't know if it was surreal for me but my pacer at one point said this is getting really old <laughs> <laughs> like my god how many times are we gonna stop and talk no, about I, this and i it wasn't, and, and me, I, first, I, it wasn't I, me i only i only gave you a shout out when there was no pace it was early on in the race I and, and, and at first at, at, at first at first i was like well what do you mean he's like it's like you're the freaking mayor of this race <laughs> You know, yeah, baby. And, and, you know, but but also, but uh, in all seriousness, I felt, and I and I said this to my wife, like I, Shelley, I I felt like um, there was something about that that made me feel of affirm, like like uh, there was some affirmation in that, like people people care about well, uh, uh, people care about what I say or what I what I represent. And so if they're saying, oh, you're AJW, you know, it's so amazing you're here at this race. It wasn't so much like you're you're 
you're famous. You got second place at Western States, right. you know, 15 years ago, because that's kind of pathetic. Like, <laughs> Weak. But, but, it, but, it's, but it was more like this outpouring of, I love what you do for the community. And we need that now more than ever. Like the community part was the part I felt the most. And that I don't, I don't intentionally, wh whether I write on AJW's tap room or I come on podcasts or I, uh, or I go to races, I don't do that with an intention to build community. But if people feel as though the, the like the fact that I'm part of an event helps to build community, then that's good. So like when, when, a, when, a, when a gal is on the other side of the trail and she's like, I've passed you three times, are you AJW? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm, a, I'm Andy, good to meet you. She's like, it's so awesome you're here. <laughs> you know? And it's like, that's, that to me is enough. And, and I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want anything more than that. I mean, my, my competitive running days are over, but if I can do one thing in this sport, which like, I think I did at the Yeti, which is bring people together around something we all love so much and is such a unifier and is so like, just in our rawest greatest form, then I want to do it. Now, the fact that I also had a successful race, you know, and I had, I had people around me saying, holy shit, look at him. He's, he doesn't even look like, I mean, he's fat and slow and he's passing us. Right. <laughs> you know, like th that stuff. I, I like when I hear that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yes, it was the, the, the unique nature of the, of the out and backs did, did make now when it got dark, and I mean, granted, I, I passed a lot of people on that last lap. I, they weren't they weren't that talkative at that point. <laughs> Not so much. I was, I was, I was, I was going to. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. And, and and, you know, like I I said before, just to touch on AJW's point that, you know, having worked at the Opera House, I'm, I'm constantly exposed to to people and, and most people I I'm pretty unfazed by things now. You know, I walk past them and I, I try not to bother people, and I don't even give it a second thought. In terms well, I've never of, known anybody uh, from pain. Jersey that couldn't talk, so I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but I did feel honestly, you know, that um, your, those videos that you do put out and and hearing you speak had got me through a lot of tough mornings. I'm telling you, I watched that Western State video to nauseam. I watch it constantly a couple times a week that I felt that seeing you out there, that if I didn't say thank you, I would have regretted it. Like I owed it to you as a thank you to me of what it meant to me to have that video or, or whatever, to hear you speak that, you know, it, it, something about the way you speak, you, you, you feel connected to you. And, and, and I, like I said, I felt I owed it to you to say thank you. Not, not so much to bother you, which I know you're not saying I did, but just as an ode to you of, of there are people out there that, that it means a lot to and that see it every day and, and watch it. And there's, there's something really, really, maybe it's just me being a romantic at heart. There is something so special about that video that uh, it, it just touches your soul. Okay. Ron, I, 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 I did have, I, I have had a couple of experiences at other hundreds. I didn't have any at Yeti because they didn't present themselves, but but I have had experiences at hundreds where someone I, I've been there crewing or pacing or something. And, and someone has grabbed me because of the, what you're talking about, Ron grabbed me and said, go talk to that guy sitting over there in the chair. Cause he's about to drop out. Fire his ass up. So, and, and, and typically I'll, I'll, I'll shame him and make him feel guilty, <laughs> but, but, it, but it will also, but it will also be like, you know, this is the guy in the video kind of thing, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to be the guy in the video, but, but there's also, there's also so many reasons not to drop out of something. There's so many reasons to, to keep pushing forward. There's, there's so many reasons to, you know, to, to, to celebrate what we're doing, especially in the midst of, of what we're living through in 2020, which is what I was so happy that Jason went ahead with the race and, and all 144 finishers and, and even those who didn't finish, you know, 
in the pouring rain for 12 hours. It was just an inspirational weekend for everybody involved. And, and, and we're going to have more of those, right? We are going to, we're not through this yet and we're not going to be through it for a while. So we can't bury ourselves in the sand. Instead, we have to, our heads in the sand, we have to say, you know what, what's next? What are we going to do next? And so Ron, what are you going to do next? I got the long haul 100 in January. Look at that. There you go. There we go. (laughs) By the way, Andy, I don't want you to dismiss yourself as just being the guy in the video. Kim Kardashian was the girl in that video. Look at the empire she's built. (laughs) (laughs) Ron, you worked at the New York Metropolitan Opera House, correct? Yeah. said earlier, more mysterious to meet in person, Luciano Pavarotti... Andy Jones Wilkins. You're the only person that can answer this question, right. Ron. <laughs> what's it, it going to be? Oh, man. It's, it's tough. Lu, Luciano had his way about him. Uh, but I, I got AJW is more dynamic. Oh, go. dude, you're bigger than Pavarotti. There you go. There you have it. <laughs> wow. Plus, so I got a, I got a plus, couple. Go ahead, Ron. Plus, Pavarotti's not here to know if I badmouth him or not. Right. Yeah. He's not here to defend himself. So I got a couple interesting Jersey stories real quick. Do you? Okay. Yeah. All right. Back several years ago, I used to do competitive uh, quarter-mile drag racing. Yeah. And one of the races I went to was in a track in Atco, New Jersey. You probably know where that's at. I'd never been to Jersey English before. Town, right? Yeah, right up around that area. And... What I didn't know about Jersey was when you buy gas there, you can't pump your own gas. They they pump it for you. I'm like, oh, well, that's different. Yeah. And then when you go to buy beer, you you can't buy beer just anywhere. You got to go to a package store or a yeah. liquor store yeah. to get the beer. I'm like, uh-huh. this is messed up because there's only one package store in Atco, New Jersey. Yeah. Well, then I go to the Wawa, which I'd never heard of before. I know what it is now. It's a, it's like a 7-Eleven type setup. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going in. There's people waiting in line to get like a sandwich at like a little little subway section. So I'm waiting in line, waiting in line, waiting in line. And I get up there. And this girl, she's all of, I don't know, 19 to 23 in that range. And I'm looking at the menu. And I'm just about ready to open my mouth and order. And she just looks at me and goes, what do you fucking want? <laughs> I mean, that's just the way Jersey is, though. You know, what do you fucking want? Yeah. I'm like, damn. That's, that's, you're right. We carry we carry certain things. It's funny because so when when we moved down to Hilton Head um, in June, I had problems getting my paperwork from G, GM in, in New Jersey to transfer transfer the plates over, and uh, I went four months without beeping my horn because I don't want anyone to be like, oh, that's the fucking guy from Jersey. That's a Jersey prick. <laughs> I had to wait till I got my South Carolina prick. Hey, up yours! Yeah. <laughs> Ron, have you I had to... never so well behaved on the road. <laughs> right. Have you had to reduce the amount of times you say fuck in a regular day being in, in uh, Hilton Head as opposed to Jersey? Yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten pretty good. I've gotten controlled <laughs> at it. I've, I've noticed that I definitely have, have, uh, have mellowed out. You know, and... It was funny because I was running when I first came down here and I was running. I, I had actually, I, I ended up uh, reaching out to Pat Reagan because I was getting my ass kicked down here. I was running maybe two, two and a half minutes slower than I was in uh, oh, the heat and humidity. Yeah, the yeah. heat and humidity. Yeah. Hey, I moved down in June and oh man, it, I took a, I got a whoop for, for a long time. And uh, I reached out to him just in terms of elevation and, and what he does and he, and, to his credit, how cool he was. He was, he was saying, you know, he reached, got back to me, and, and just said that, uh, you know, it the heat and the humidity almost even out what the elevation would be. And uh, he was spot on when when I ran that. I, I I felt good. It was, you know, like you said, it was cool conditions, and uh, I didn't feel any effects of not being around the altitude for a while. Good stuff. Did you, how many times did you see Pat Andy? On the course, because you ran, Pat ran a thirteen, yeah, thirteen thirty-eight. I was determined not to have him lap me twice, uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and it was it was close, it was close. But he only he only lapped me once, so that was good. Wow, <laughs> that was yeah. motivation actually. <laughs> I was I was telling I was telling the guys before when I I pulled up, I got an Airbnb uh, right on the trail, beautiful, and I pull up and. And I thought it was him, but there was a guy um, working in a camper cooking right outside the Airbnb where we got it. So, you know, I pull up, he says hello. I 
introduce myself, I'm Ron. He turns around and uh, right away, once I see the mustache in all its glory, that's it. I knew it was Pat. So, you know, as a mid-packers, as a mid-packer, it was a dream weekend. Uh, Pat ended up staying at the same place. So I, I talked to him for a couple of minutes. I got to see uh, AJW out on the course. And uh, it, w- it was just all around for me, it was just a great weekend. You know, I was saying before, before the race, I ran into Pat in the morning. And he, he's just such a nice guy. And, and credit to him, you know, he was asking what I was running next and, and just interacting with you and he, he doesn't have to and was asking about the course and uh, he wasn't sure about turnarounds or whatnot and, and Jason had heard him. So Jason pulled Pat aside and goes, listen, just run real fucking fast straight down. <laughs> and he goes, someone's going to turn you around then run real fucking fast straight back. So then when you get to this finish line, run real fucking fast in the opposite direction and just keep doing that until you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, that thirteen thirty eight that Pat ran was that was that an impressive thing to see? Yeah, yeah, it really was. And you know, I, I thought he, I, as I saw him going back and forth, I thought he could have maybe broken thirteen. It looked like it looked like he lost a little um, focus in the, the last time I saw him. But uh, yeah, and and the thing about watching Pat run, um, you know, he and he runs in a sustainable way. He has a real upright stance. He has a real short stride. Um, I, I said to someone afterwards, I was like, you know, if I, if someone were to ask me who's going to last longer in the sport, Patrick Reagan or Jim Walmsley, I'd say Patrick Reagan in large part because of his technique. Now he needs to adapt if he wants to succeed in the big mountain hundreds, which of course is like, you know, the gold standard these days. He had a great finish at Western States a couple of years ago. He he ran it really conservative until the end, where then he just hammered and passed three people. But I think he's going to need to, and, and he knows this, I've told him this, he's going to need to take risks earlier. Not, not as early yeah. as Jim takes risks, but he's going to need to take risks earlier in order to be up in that mix. But there's no doubt that he has the pedigree to do it, that he has now the experience to do it. And uh, I look forward to, I mean, as, as you guys know, I was, I was really hoping for a showdown in this year's Western States, but hopefully we'll see it next year. Yeah. Speaking of next year, Andy, you know, here you are, you've, you've done some races now, races are coming back. We talked about, you know, Yeti felt like kind of a semi return to quote unquote normal. What does 2021 look like? What do you anticipate a scene in that? I think we're going to see all the big races, uh, like the big hundreds, Western States, UTMB, hard rock, uh, Leadville, Wasatch, Vermont. I, I think they're going to adapt. They're going to have to. And and uh, I, I think they I think they had to do what they did this year. But I but I think they're going to adapt. They're going to, you know, whether it's whether it's wave starts, whether it's you know uh, uh, fewer aid stations, whether it's significant limitations on crew, uh, they're going to they're going to come back. Uh, whether the runners come back is going to be a different story. But I think the runners want to run. As we saw at Yeti, as we saw at Beaverhead, as as we're going to see later in the year at, at, down in Texas at Brazos Bend, as as we're seeing this weekend at Three Days in the Fair in New Jersey, the runners want to run. Um, I, I think the thing that's going to be holding them back is the local and regional outfits. I saw Rio Del Lago got canceled just the other day because the California, um, the, the, the state parks and national forest is like not ready to let them do it. So, so the permit holders are going to be the ones that are going to allow those events to go forward. And if those, if those permit holders allow the events to go forward, I honestly think the events are going to go forward and, and hopefully it won't be a normal year. There's no, it will not be a normal year, but it will hopefully be something more than we've had this year. And, and, and having participated now in two events with upwards to 200 starters, you know, in, in remote places with masks and aid stations and, and uh, 
we're just going to have to get used to, you know, you don't have that big pre-race meeting. You don't have everyone hanging out at the finish line. You don't have a lot of crew milling about aid stations. And that's hard. That's hard for us to deal with as a culture because we love that part of the sport. But if we want the runners to run, we're going to have to let that go. And, And I think for the future, at least for 2021, it's just my opinion, and I, I mean, I, and I don't know nothing. I think those big events are going to go ahead and proceed to the extent that they can. Because really, can Western states or or can Hard Rock miss another year? I mean, can we go? Through? I really don't think they can. I really don't think they can. I, I think they're going to need to. They got to do I think something. They're going to need to adjust. I mean, hell, I had I had a member of the Hard Rock board tell me the base. It main reason they decided to cancel is that they weren't going to be able to do the breakfast the way they wanted to. And it's like, I, I think you need to move beyond those right. kinds of things. Like the runners want to run and you can hand out awards. You can have a, you can have ceremonies. You can, you can bring together the community in ways that are just going to have to be new, just like we've had to do in schools, just like businesses have had to do just as, you know, city councils have had to do just as other nonprofits and restaurants have had to do. I think you just need to adapt. And uh, the runners want to run. That's what I know. Um, yeah, what, I, I, uh, not, I'm sorry not to cut you off. I, I agree with, with the runners want to run because even even this past weekend that you had, um, in terms of face coverings, you didn't see anybody complaining, anybody giving a hard time. It seemed like everybody just wanted to adhere to the standards and get back out there and run. I mean, you, you can find stuff to do during during quarantine or, or when there's not races. You know, like I ran a great virtual race across Tennessee, and then I had some other things in my own head. I, I ran a 100-mile week. I ran 10 straight days of 10 miles or more just to, just to um, challenge myself. But there's nothing like that, that race. And th- this weekend, you really felt like a little sense of normalcy and, and – a credit to the runners too. I, I didn't see anyone giving anybody a hard time about mask or not complying. And I think people just want to get out there and run. There's no, there's no substitute for the, for the camaraderie of, of what you feel out there. And it, you know, nothing gets virtual races. It's just not the same. Andy, when do we go back to normal? When are we hugging again at finish lines? When do we have big crews at aid stations cheering everybody on? Well, when do when do we go back to that world? Well, shit, I don't know. <laughs> Andy, you're, you're a school principal, for Christ's sake. Don't you're they tell you to know stuff? these things? <sighs> I'm disappointed. I, 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 I'll hug you guys right now. There, there we go. go. Virtual, <laughs> virtual hug. Um, thank you guys both. Ron, AJW, thanks for coming on this thank episode of The Adventure Jogger. Before we go, I would like to just thank everybody who's reviewed The Adventure Jogger on iTunes. Uh, very nice things. Whenever I'm feeling down about myself, I go out there and, re- and read the reviews because they've all been really, really great. Even this one. This comes from Run Mickey one and this was, uh, this was uploaded not too long ago, and I want to read this review to you, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. The variety of guests is top-notch, and I would think that AJW, you know, Ron Maver, top-notch guests, right? I understand the host is famous in the trail running community. Of course. (laughs) What? (laughs) So I'm sure that helps him get the big names and explains some of the jokes that aren't nearly as funny as he thinks they are. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds reasonable. Go ahead. Are my my kids on iTunes reviewing my my podcast? (laughs) Overall, I'm learning about trail running and enjoying hearing about other experiences. So I'll keep listening. <laughs> so sorry, Run Mickey One, that my jokes are not funny. Um, just like my kids, they would say the exact same thing. But <laughs> dad jokes. <laughs> I'm famous. I'm famous. You are. You are famous. I'm famous That's... in the running community. Um, but no, thank you, everybody. Has made your reviews. If you've not reviewed the Adventure Jogger on iTunes, that actually does help us. Get out there and do it. Quite a bit. We have one one star review that says this is a really great podcast, and they gave us one star. I don't know what it takes <laughs> to get five from this person. I, I don't know at all. I think you're gonna have to mail some white cloth. <laughs> <or something. laughs> but, but, no, you can review the Adventure Jogger on iTunes. There's also Adventure Jogger gear if you want to show everybody you rock the adventure jogger uh, adventure jogger trucker hats t-shirts available adventurejogger.com slash gear but thanks for listening gentlemen thank you so much thanks guys thank you guys thanks guys 
We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 